just it is easier when you're in the room. I think it's easier to like just play off each other and everything. But like, but just the scheduling aspect so hard and like. At the city, yeah, I also think like the way we're doing it, it's like as long as we do both do like a little bit on the like on our own and then come to the table with something. Like I feel like that's always productive because it's not like you don't rely on that. Like oh, when we meet up, we'll just like have sparks fly. It's like no, like if you rely a little bit more on like actually watching a movie or whatever and like having takes on it. It's like I feel like that always plays, you know. Definitely, and um, I'm trying to improve my own ability to speak to things. But yeah, it's just like I think it just makes it easier to, so that you're not just sitting there and being like saying like the platitudes, like "Oh, this was great" or "It's too long." Like even just listening to what we ha- we've had so far, like yeah, I fall into that. And like obviously, we'll say like not that we won't say platitudes or generalities, but it's uh, it just makes it a lot easier too. And it's like. Also, yeah, like, I think, like, the the fact that, like, we do have different points of view on stuff a lot, which I like, like, we're not, we're not saying the same things a lot, and so, that, yeah, I don't feel, like, don't try to, like, don't feel pressure to try to say things the way I'm saying it, because it's, like, that's my own, you know, expression of what I'm seeing kind of thing, so it's, like, I, but I feel like you have your own voice, and, like, yeah, try to... And yeah, and my only tip in terms of like whatever you're doing is just like stick to your own gut and your own voice and your own point of view and like don't try to like whatever because like I, you know, I don't know. I know just what I, I know just what you mean because in the first one, I just you this is gonna keep happening. I would say something and you would build on it, but you would say it in a more articulate way. You would hit more of the notes I was trying to hit, and I kept being like, "That's exactly what I wanted to say," like which obviously <laughs> well, doesn't make for good entertainment. One, I just had a lot built up. Like, I had seen that Tarantino movie, and, like, I didn't have a ton of people to talk to about it, and, like, I would, like, I just had a lot that I was, like, ready to get off my chest, and so, like, I did feel like I kind of overpowered it a little bit, but... No, but but I think that's going to be natural, like, when you have more to say, like, if we ever talk about a fucking Avengers thing, I'm sure we will, like, I'm going to push for that, I'm sure I'll be, like, but it's natural, like, yeah, that's, that. like, you had more to say, and that's natural, and I think it'll ebb and flow like that. That's true, yeah, I agree. Uh, (laughs) Um... So, should we get should we get cranking? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to. Uh... Okie dokie. Um, should we? Will you tell me? Do you want to dive into glass first? Because uh, I talked about this a while ago, so I've got a whole bunch of thoughts about it. And <laughs> I'm ready to do glass. Well, I'm, like I almost want to have a talk about Shyamalan first. Let's. I will say. Let's do it. Yes. Let's get into Shyamalan. Let's get into Shyamalan. I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you lead the Shyamalan conversation. Once we get to glass, I, I definitely have. Like, I'm gonna ask you. I'll treat it like I'm going to ask you questions. I want to get your feedback on glass. But let's start with Shyamalan. So here's my current, my current to the moment thoughts on the man known as Shyamalan. I will say there's only a few um, active directors right now that I've seen the entire catalog of their movies. And for for better or worse, M. Night Shyamalan is part of this group of directors. I have seen every single M. Night Shyamalan movie. Yes, I've seen After Earth. Yes, I've seen Last Airbender. Yes, I've seen the happening. I've seen. The Did water. I see the happening with you? Um, so actually, I, I, I really, I have a very clear memory of seeing the village with a bit with you and a big group of people from my high school. Dave Cavino. Cor- Dave Cavino was definitely there. Corey Diagostino may have been there. Yes, that- but we also like met up with a group of girls at the movie. Is yes, Katie, Liz Adams, and yeah, then Kate Kiarsis. Yes, so it was like this. This huge group of uh, like our friends, we all and like at the time at that so okay this is a good segue because at that time, Damalon's first three movies were The Sixth Sense, great movie, love that movie, still watch it today. Unbreakable, very influential movie, very important movie, not quite as heralded, but I still rewatch that movie. I think it's it. like the the lost masterpiece of Shyamalan, yeah, right. also of it's comic a very, book it's movies. A very lost of comic book movies like when it came out and where it came out like i think it's i think it's like it's one of my favorite comic book movies i think it should be considered one of the best comic book movies agreed and it's like yeah it's in a very key place in terms of developing of comic book movies and where they end up and stuff and then the movie after that is signs and like that's where you start to see a few cracks but at the same time i enjoyed the mel gibson performance i enjoyed the joaquin Phoenix performance. I enjoyed and I enjoyed the setup of that movie. <laughs> I've also heard some evangelical takes on this movie now today. That apparently the deep read on signs is that it wasn't aliens; they're actually demons. But in the in modern times, we just don't know how to explain. Oh, uh, 
demonic figures or something. I think that's how it was meant to be interpreted. I, I don't think that's like some. I think that's actually how it's meant to be interpreted. So you like you like that deep tip because I think that is the common deep reading of that movie at this point. I like it, but for me, I'm not. I, I'm not I'm splitting the difference. For me, that doesn't mean that they're demons. For me, that means they're aliens, and people just used to call them demons. Like for me, it doesn't mean that it's like necessarily the Abrahamic devil. I see what you're saying, right? It's just more so like. Um, like, at one point in time, we would call them demons, and at another point in time, we call them aliens. And it's like, it's just whatever is coming from above, sort of. Exactly. Like, it's like, I don't know, a couple hundred years ago, they called the saber-toothed tiger a monster or a demon. It's like, oh, it's it's evil. Like, I, that's the way, that's the way I read it. Um, but I know. Oh, okay. But, no, but it's like, at the end of the day, those first three movies, like, you see Six Sense, you see Unbreakable, you see Science, you're like, this is one of the most promising directors in Hollywood right now. Like, yeah. this guy is as hot as anybody. He's getting good performances out of big actors, you know, from Bruce Willis to Sam Jackson to... He, he was also um, not like... Reviving careers isn't, like, the right thing, but, like, that was, like, Bruce Willis was already a star, but that was, like, a different way we saw Bruce Willis. Same with Mel Gibson. He was an action star, yeah. and we saw him, like, he was giving guys, like, different... like. He wasn't doing the Tarantino reviving careers, but he was and like. Obviously, that played into Mel Gibson's uh, Catholic uh, point of view. Yeah, but, you know, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure that that's the uh, that's part of his unofficial Jesus trilogy. <laughs> but I will say, the people who haven't gone back to work with them, now, Gibson's one, I would be interested to see him. I don't know what their relationship is now, but that's one he's kind of gone away from. But I thought he's really good in science, honestly. I really so I know what you mean. I've re I've rewatched Signs recently. Um, I love Signs. But it's also, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be able to articulate it well enough, but it's the first one where it felt more like the other movies were good movies and like Sixth Sense was a great movie that became a blockbuster and like that's not always the way it is. I think right. Signs was a really good movie. It was a blockbuster that was a really good movie. Like that's like I'm playing with semantics there, but like, like, like uh, it was, it had the stuff. I loved Signs, and I remember seeing that. We saw that in theaters, too, I think. Like, that was one of the theater... That was one where um, this happened in the village, too. The cracking of the beer can. I do. <laughs> we, 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 like, ruined... We ruined two movies for, like, the whole half the New Rochelle population opening but, our like, beer cans. You know, cans at the time, it's like, that shows you how, like... So we were in high school at that time, and that's how cool of, like, an M. Night movie was. Was that, like, we were going with groups of friends to signs and to, to the village. And I really, I do remember the, the feeling of going like, Oh, it was so exciting to go see the new M night Shyamalan movie with this group of friends and new rock. Like it was like a, such a cool experience. And then we get into that movie and minute by minute, we're just like, Oh, Oh no. Like, oh, no. <laughs> like, you just feel his career shifting in the course of that movie. It and, was, it was a little bit like, you're going to have a, probably a better classical like uh example but it re reminded me a little bit of really the justice league for both like uh whedon and schneider when i watched justice league and i was like no, i, I was like, like both of their careers are like <laughs> it was just being like wow like these auteurs who used to be able to like weave these like really great stories and like fantastical things together and it's like um it's like for a sports example it's like watching chuck knoblock have the yips on like the on the yankees and it's just being like wow, this, like, champion, this, like, right. this person who should be at the top of his game, and you just see them lose it in front of your eye, and it's, like... And the, the thing with The Village, too, is I remember going into that, it was heavily... Maybe because we were, like, paying more attention at the time back then. I remember the big thing was that there were two big twists. Everyone knew there was a Shyamalan twist. At that point, yeah. So at that point, after... Six Sense, Unbreakable, and Signs. Everyone knew Shyamalan is this guy that did twists, and that and that you were entering the movie trying to figure out the twist. And, the, and, and it, but I, the village, it was not uncommon for people to guess the twist, like in the first act of the movie, if I recall. Like I, our group of people was like, uh, we kind of thought it was present day. <laughs> the well, yeah, that and that was the thing. I remember, um, and I think M Night Shyamalan. Again, I'm sure there, someone's probably teaching a class, or they will in a couple of years about subverting expectations. And that this is a good lead into Glass too. But like the village, like subverting expectations. I think if that movie had come even like if that had been his third movie instead of the fourth, I think it might have been a little better received. But just the fact, like we went in, even with signs, like there wasn't really a twist. Like oh, the water, the water was the twist in signs. That was kind of the thing. And but like that was like that was organic. It was like a small, cute twist. Like it made sense and didn't change the full like fundamental. I guess it did kind of. 
it worked. It worked just. It worked well enough that the movie kind of came to a completion. It felt and, like a normal like twist. At the end of the village, and you were just so fucking pissed off. <laughs> well, like, the thing, my problem with the village was, first of all, they built up the monster in the marketing, and everything was about the monster. It reminded me, like, just I was going to draw a, a parallel to Last Jedi. And it was a little different. Like, those are not the same. But it's like, with Shyamalan, people came in expecting a twist. Also, all the marketing was built around the monster. I, I remember also, the trailer. I, I also remember, this is a guy we just talked about it, getting great performances out of a bunch of actors. I remember seeing the cast. And I'm like, okay, we got William Hurt. We got Adrian Brody. It was, Sigourney uh, Weaver? Yeah, yeah. It was, supposed to, it was supposed to be a coming out party for that uh, Ron Howard's daughter. Yeah, Bryce um, Dallas Howard. Bryce Dallas Howard. Who, who was good. I thought she was good. I, I will say, so there was a bunch of heavy hitting actors in this movie. Basically, at the end of the at the end of the movie, I felt like I had watched a high school play. Yeah, <laughs> I know just what you mean. It was it was a lot of melodrama. It was, yes, and it was just like it was a lot of overacting. It was a lot of melodrama. It, I was not impressed with like you know, William Hurt's a guy I really like too, and you can tell he's really trying in that movie. But it's just like it's such a dumb idea for a movie, and then you get this really serious acting on top of it. It was, it was too serious. Like, he was directing a different movie than the movie they were acting in, for the most yeah, part. I totally agree. Except yeah, I, Adrian I Brody. Adrian fully understood what kind of movie they were really in. Yeah, it was, there was a total disconnect between the acting and the, the actual movie. And, and it's, and that reminds, it's like the trailers. Like, the trailers, like, it sets up as this, more, almost like The Witch. It's like this, like, colonial, like, yeah. it, it's the setting. It's the, it's the, the atmosphere. It's, it, it's a haunting atmosphere, and it's supposed to be the terror of, like, Oh, like, you, what was the most frightening thing back then? It's that you were alone. You really, it was you in this community and you're surrounded by enemies, perceived, real, natural, supernatural. And it's like very scary. But then it's like, I guess that's the thing. They're subverting expectations and then they're shooting yourself into the foot. Like, it's like you find yeah. out the movie's not that scary because they're living in the middle of modern day. Anything they needed at any point, they could have left to get, which, may, which also. And I think that's the thing, like, the movie, if I if I had done it, or if you wanted to fix it, like, not that we're saying that, but, like, cut out an hour of the of the drama and bullshit of them in the village, and, like, have the movie, her going back in the village, being like, what the fuck? Like, ha- I want to have that conversation of the villagers being like, people have died from, like, colds and, like, the strep, and, like, we could have gone and saved them, and it's like, and also, the other underlying issue there is talking about, like, Make America Great Again. The time they went back to was not a particularly good time in American history. Like, we were massacring Native Americans. They were massacring us. We were burning women for calling them witches, probably just reading. Like, that was, right. we had slavery. I like, think, that yeah, time I mean, wasn't a good time. Is like, you're supposed to be going back to this time of, like, when uh, Christian values were held as the ultimate authority, as opposed to this, like, little sort of sub, uh, you know superstition that people have now but I, okay, so, uh, but so this that, is the that, thing this is the thing that bothers me about that too this takes place in pennsylvania where that the amish exist like right yeah. there is actually amish people like that would have been even better if they kind of made it like if you found out i, I don't know but like I, well i mean the whole like the whole plot of having the blind girl go out to, to find a uh, civilization that never made a sense to me either. It's like, how about we get somebody that knows where they're going? What's funny is I actually like that, and I really like that about her character. I, 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 I it's there's a li- some nice symbolism going on. I mean, sure, it works better in the Matrix, I guess. But uh. also, I mean, come on, like be ahead of the time. It was two thousand three or four. It's like they're sending the woman out there. She's like the girl. She shouldn't know any better, and she's uh, aware. I also love too, though, like. It might have been a little different if, like, a cute redheaded girl didn't, like, climb out of there. Like, what if it was, like... Oh, yeah. What There's if it was, like, one of the yeah. other guys who came out dressed like a fucking, like, Civil War ghost? <laughs> maybe that's... Yeah. Cute. Maybe that uh, park ranger uh, shoots him. Anyway, so I always, I've always felt like in Shaman's career the, the village was this big tipping point. Cause, so coming out of that movie, our group of friends basically turns to each other and Shaman goes from this cool, hot director to the biggest idiot and our, our, like, our least favorite director overnight almost, I feel like. Yeah. And then after that movie, he goes, on, let me see here. He goes on, he makes Lady in the Water, The Happening. Duty in the Water, as Alex likes to call it. <laughs> so he goes, Lady in the Water, The Happening, Last Airbender, After Earth. And After Earth is like maybe one of the worst films 
never conceived. I've never seen After Earth because I saw Last Airbender, and Last Airbender is at is on my like top, like bottom three, bottom four movies of no, all time. Like I got through Last Airbender, and I was just like, I have to see. I got to see a worse movie than that. Now I'm and not. Will Smith pulled it off. For wait, me. After Earth was worse. I, I think After Earth is the worst movie he's made. Okay. And, and, like that's like the happening is an F minus of a movie. That's the thing. The, the happening I thought was if I had known at the time I saw happening that that would be the like third, fourth worst M Night Shyamalan movie I'd ever see, I'd actually probably be in tears because I remember walking it's out of that like, movie. I mean, I would say the I would say Lady in the Water is an F. The happening is an F minus, and then it's like Last Airbender is a D, and then After Earth is like an E. It's like After Earth is like I do not know how this like I don't know how the whatever studio made it just just shelve it. I didn't. I didn't see After Earth, but I know it's all about. First of all, the movies where he tries to make like an ecological stance, which is really the happening, and After Earth. Some of his uh, worst there's stuff. Also, there's a big Scientology thread in After Earth coming from the Will Smith side of it, which I found entertaining. Of course, but isn't the whole premise that the Earth has adapted to hate humanity? Because we, yes. yeah, yeah, like there's that end of it, but that, the whole aspect of. Um, Will Smith is training his son, played by Jaden Smith. Oh, yes, to be fearless. A courageous role. A courageous role. Uh, Will Smith trains him that fear is in our heads, and that if you remove fear, you can achieve things beyond anything else, and that is very Scientology uh, philosophy right there. Mm, fear. Fear. Uh, anyways, so that, I would say After Earth was rock bottom, and then comes the comeback. I am a big fan of the movie The Visit. I actually I haven't seen the, the visit. visit. Was under, you haven't seen Visit. I've been meaning to watch it, but I've been meaning to watch, watch it. I've heard good. Watch. I've heard good. Especially if no one spoiled it for you, there is a twist in it. I I, I, I spoiled it for myself reading okay. one of those. I read one of those like top ten biggest twists in movies and like right. this year, and I thought I'd seen everything, and that was high up, and I was like, God damn it! But I'm willing to see it. It's even if you know the twist, it's worth watching. It's a well-crafted movie. He goes back to basics. He's he's doing a horror thriller. My one uh, my one thing with that movie is I wish he'd kind of done an R-rated version of it. It's more of a PG PG thirteen kind of horror, and so there's some campy, more teenage level stuff going on. But there, I like there's a version of that movie that's R-rated that I think would have been amazing. Um, but he he goes back to what he's good at in that movie, and that's creating suspense and giving you payoffs and doing things that. You know, he knows he's good at uh, where it's like in After Earth and Last Airbender, he's just like he's in another he's in another planet. And what's funny is like I think he struggles with scale a lot. And that's also, I think, going to play well into this conversation. I, I think they gave him less money for the visit and that helped him. It's like stay in a house and just like use these old people and like do a little horror thing. It's like not that hard. You know, it's like, yeah, to scale it back a little bit. Well, you would just and then to that same point, like just building off that taking like the, just the scale of the story. Like it's kids yeah. visiting their grandparents. The sixth sense is about a, a therapist treating a boy. Yeah. The sign signs is a little bigger. It's about like a an alien invasion, but then just like Last Airbender, that's a big sci-fi. That's like you're going for your Star Wars franchise. Yeah. Um, now, say Lady in the Water too also has these comic book elements. You can see he kind of sees what's coming with comic books, but he wasn't able to kind of capitalize or do it the right. Like Unbreakable is a, a great step, but then he goes in a direction that is just uh, horrible. Well, so this is the thing. Like this is the way I see it with the comic books. It's like so. There's like. M. Night Shyamalan is the guy behind the counter who loves comic books, who is excited that it's they're becoming popular, but he doesn't like he knows why people love them, but he doesn't know why he doesn't know the difference between he knows why people love comic books, but he doesn't know what the different things that people love basically between the people like him who like and and the mod and the bigger society. Like you and I, like we can appreciate like or put myself in there, not to buck you in, but like we can appreciate comic book movies. As I'll I'll put myself, I'll remove you from this my dorkdom. But um, and as a comic book fan, like I think I'm like I can see a little bit of both. Like I can see what works. Like I see what works about comics and what doesn't. Like yeah. And the biggest thing, just to like to put it quickly, and I think most succinctly, Marvel understands that the most important thing about superheroes. It's not, it's really like, it's, I think they, Marvel's done a great job around the supporting cast. It's like, 
who are the people they're helping? Their mentor, their friend, their girlfriend, whatever. Like, not that they do romance well, but almost all the Marvel movies, up until you at least you get into Avengers, the like Captain America had Peggy Carter, Iron Man has Happy Hogan and Pepper Potts. Like Marvel right. invests and in it's showing who the heroes help. Um, right. And for DC, not that actually, no, this isn't now it's almost like unfair to compare the two. But basically, that's what Marvel gets. Marvel understands that your secret identity doesn't really matter. And it also makes things harder because you have to write two stories then. Two stories that make sense. You're writing for two different characters, really. Yeah. DC doesn't understand that. DC is so focused on these heroes that they have to spend their whole story working on the... They basically lose track of the people they're helping, I think. And a lot of the DC movies really focus on the heroes and... Like that's why DC, it, the, yeah, DC's making movies under an older model. The, the nobody model cares about Clark Kent. Like if DC, yeah. if DC wanted to be innovative, they would have started off this series. I mean, they would be accused of a copying Iron Man. But DC's next Superman should be like, hey, I'm not super. I'm not Clark Kent. I'm not Superman. I'm Kal El. Like, and I'm here right. to help you all. Like, and that like. The, and now I guess I'm going to another conversation. Seth, okay. you got me. Wa- you got me like, wound up. All, all those movies do owe something to Unbreakable because that kind of opened this window for a different kind of comic book movie. And so, anyways, we yeah. So we got up to the visit, and I I do see the visit as Shyamalan's first comeback from the basement of filmmaking he was in, and it was like that allowed him. So it's like okay, now we're gonna give you a little more money to make a bigger budget film. So he goes back to his Unbreakable franchise, and he makes Split. And um, what, okay, what was your take on Split? Just so I get a quick reaction here. So I went in a split. As you know, like you and I are both very keep our ear to the ground. I went in. I did not know it was a backdoor sequel. Um, so this was my feeling. And I, I remember it pretty well because I actually wrote something about it. Like I was trying to review it. So I remember it very well. I went in with, low ex- with very low expectations. The last movie I saw was Last Airbender. I heard the visit was good, so I went. I went in. I knew they had good reviews. I like McAvoy, um, so I'm ready. I'm gonna give it my best. And I also think it was after the witch, which the so the girl was in. So like, I was expecting to be entertained, but pretty pretty low expectations. Really liked it. I thought that James McAvoy. Like, I thought the portrayal of the character was really good. Like it was. He was sympathetic. He was scary. It was. I, I thought it was a really complex character, and I thought they pulled him off. I thought the um, Anna Taylor-Joy character, which I'm blanking on, I thought she was great. I like her in general. I thought she was really good. And overall, I thought it was like – I thought it was a really good, effective horror. I don't know how I'd classify it. Maybe, I guess, captive. But like, um, I thought it was a good, effective horror. And then – so I liked it. But then at the end, when you found – I also liked – that it was real. I was expecting it to be in his head. And when you found out that he actually did have the powers, that like the gun didn't work, that he could bend bars. So finding out that the horde was real was, uh, I remember leaving, I was excited. And then when they had the tie in to unbreakable, I was like, I was, I was very excited. Like I, that to me was the cherry on top to me. It was a lot like iron man in that, like I liked iron man. And then when he ends it with, Oh, and I'm Iron Man. It was like, oh, this is a B plus movie. They're like, no, this is an A plus movie. Like, you did something bold. Okay, this you is good. this is good because uh, so I did. I sort of had that same reaction. I enjoyed the end of Iron Man. I don't know if I had the elation you might have. Um, I, I thought that was a good ending. I <laughs> my take on Split is I enjoyed McAvoy's performance. It's a you know, it's a big showy performance, and he's going for it, and he knows he's the center of the movie. And it, you I know, mean, and Sean, Sean let him do it. I'm just you gonna say, I mean? you need a British actor to do that. It's like it's very, yeah, it's very. It's his, showy. Yeah, it's his Malcolm McDowell moment, you know. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know just what you mean. <laughs> it's yeah, he's and then like I enjoy, it's it's fun to watch an actor do that. It's fun to take an actor and try to stretch them as far as you can. Sometimes and just see, you know, how many tools do you have, and like how many how many ways you know how many ways can we use you and stuff like that. Um, the movie I thought was pretty good until he started making connections to Unbreakable and turning it into a superhero thing. I thought it actually would have been better if he stayed grounded in full reality 
and kept kept the guy is a um, split personality, schizophrenic, and um, maybe not included superpowers and stuff, and just kind of kept it as more of just a, yeah a captivity story about a guy about a multiple personality guy. I wasn't totally sure why it had to be expanded and sort of like give him this beast character and then kind of tie it into Unbreakable. I thought all of that was a little like. I'm going to try to make some extra money here and uh, make like a bigger thing out of it. But you're entitled to, you know, just saying that was my reaction. Well, first of all, you bring up, it's, and there's, it's not, I don't think we disagree. I think we agree on more. It's fun for us to disagree. I'm happy we disagree. No, no, we disagree. But like, I will say this, like I did like it, but like with that being said, like there were. Like, you know there's a version of that movie that doesn't have those tie-ins and doesn't take them to that extreme, you know? So what I was, yeah, exactly. So what I was going to say was um, not to, not, we're, I guess we'll get there in a few minutes, but with that in mind, when I saw this movie, I really loved it. But then after seeing Glass, now I look back at, I look back at Split differently and I'm like, and I'll, I'll, I'll save exactly how, I'll save exactly how I feel later. But I know, I, I know what you mean, like, um, in terms of, Making it, I, I making like, it a superhero while I was thing. The movie, I was like, "This is a good Shyamalan movie that I'm watching with a good performance." You know what I'm saying? And then it's like, but then it's like he kind of makes it about this other thing instead of just like you had your movie right there, man. <laughs> okay, so I agree 100. percent So for me, I thought the coolest thing about it was, and they spent a lot of time with it, was about the human mind and was about like um, that was the whole therapist thing where it, the whole idea was that like. The also, human I like mind the therapist in that movie too. She's pretty good. She was great. Also, there was a whole subplot cut where, like, it was. Uh, I think it was maybe better cut because it was a little shorter. But there was a whole subplot that was cut with her and her neighbor, and um, it was basically you dive even more in there. But the idea to me that the idea to me that really, like, if your brain your brain can allow you to do, I, I'm not gonna. I'm okay. Let me rephrase that. It's a, it's a very it's a very similar to the Matrix that if you truly believe in your mind that you can do something, then you can achieve that thing. That it's a very similar kind of concept. Exactly, and that's one of my favorite concepts in in all storytelling. I also think like outside of storytelling, like I also think it's just a really cool concept. And like, it, like it's you also, see it in like also a George Costanzaism. That whole thing of like, if you believe it's true, then it's not a lie, Jerry. You know, it, you but that's true. Like, like that I also use this. I'm a big true crime fan and like polygraphs like that's true like psychopaths or like people who don't like if they're like they don't care that they're lying or don't think they're like to me the whole mind over the mind over matter concept is really cool like it's I really like that that's a theme that really connects with me and to me I think that would have been more terrifying like the thought just the thought of someone crazy like good or bad but like the scary thing is if someone bad. But like if someone thinks they can do anything, like can have these crazy powers, that to me is more frightening that anyone could have it if they thought it. Like as right. opposed to this one person having powers. And I, the, I know the argument is, well, it's still the same concept whether he's a superhero or not, or villains. But it's not like because once you say superhero, the difference. Once you say superhero or villain or comic book movie, the whole concept there is that then that person's not alone. Like the that whole concept around comic book movies. Is that yeah. if there's one special person, there's a community of special people or other like, and to me, that is less frightening than the idea that there could just be one crazy person in the world, like the, the character. And he was just so, and they do a great job of building him up and where these different personalities come from. Like this poor, really sympathetic character, like even like, I really like the character. Like he was very sympathetic. He'd been a victim of abuse a lot. Like the Joker, like, Again, something they borrowed from, like, uh, right. he was a very sympathetic person. And just the idea, like, obviously, just thinking about humanity in that way, it's like, we're creatures, we're built to survive. If you can't physically protect yourself, how do you do that? And it's you develop mental barriers. And then it's like, what if those mental defenses could actually manifest themselves physically? And those were the things that I thought were, like, coolest about it. And I think it's time to get into Mr. Glass because... I didn't right. care about them also, diving yeah, in there. I, mean, I will say the thing about Split and Unbreakable that you're right. It's like they're both grounded in reality enough that it's like it makes it it makes things a, like believable for you. That it's like there could be a guy at the at the very extreme end that like yeah like doesn't really get sick or doesn't get hurt, and there could be a guy who's you know 
very extreme mental disorder, like believes that he can do things that like normal people can't really do. And so it's like, they are kind of, but so yeah, then we get to class and, um, wait, and wait, 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 give, wait, give me, it's like, uh, Shyamalan's just one of those guys. I was like, we, it's like, you gotta go back and just remember this whole like life he had. Because it's true though. You can't think of the movie you took, well, especially cause it's a franchise, but you can't look at this one movie and also critique him and like, just, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's like, not in a vacuum. You gotta see all the same. All Yeah. All right, um, all right, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to distract. Okay, please okay. finish. Uh, so, yeah, so we get to class, um, and, uh, yeah, I, going into class, I was like, I enjoyed the, the visit. I really liked Split. You know, I liked and then I sort of had issues with, with the whole uh, making it part of the Unbreakable franchise. But so then I get to class, and going into class, I'm thinking, you know, I did, I did like Sam Jackson in Unbreakable, and I would like to know more about this. And I'm ex- sort of expecting, I was like, Unbreakable was the Bruce Willis movie, and Split was the James McAvoy movie. So I'm kind of expecting a, a real, you know, give me some real weighty Sam Jackson stuff. You know, give me a backstory. Let me see what. And you get into this movie, he he's not talking for the first half of it. <laughs> That's that was my note. He doesn't talk till like fifty. He do he doesn't really get like. Of a part till fifty four like minutes. Flashbacks either, though. It's just like he's just like in a wheelchair. Well, that, well, that's the thing too. In hindsight, you realize, and also like, it made, after seeing this movie, I realized you get his backstory in Unbreakable. That was one of the great things they like. They in very subtly, you get yeah. his backstory and his origin story, and it's like, and they had like one extra scene, but that's what I realized after watching is that in many ways, Unbreakable is more about glass than glasses. But so that was sort of my first confusion. Was like, wow, like. Um, this is like Sam Jackson is not the lead of this movie. Basically, I would like a gun to my head. I think James McAvoy gets the most screen time, and great, he's a, it's a, again it's a great performance by McAvoy, and he's doing a lot of stuff. But it's also like you've had your own movie already, and you've got to explore this whole. And it's like I don't know if I need as much of this dude going wonky with all his characters that that they give me in this movie. I yeah, I got like um, maybe it was just selfish but i was expecting more i was more interested in the glass character and like stuff he had done maybe and like i don't know plans he had conceived i was more into that kind of stuff but they really just don't go down that road for you well seth please allow me to just put your mind at ease because you you have every right to expect more when the it's not like it's unbreakable too it's called glass and he's not in it for the first 55 minutes like it's not like that I, and I, I didn't really, like, as I was watching the movie, I, I didn't really, like, it didn't occur to me. And I'm literally, I'm pulling this thing up. I wrote this after I saw it. Um, it didn't occur to me when I watched it, but then looking back at it, I was like, because I, so my my take on it was, was I was really excited going into the movie. Um, my understanding was that obviously Unbreakable was like, it was a comic book movie, but it was really a dramatic origin story. Like it wasn't an action movie. Like it was a character piece. It was really good. Um, um, uh, split was another character piece, but it was really, to me, that was a horror. That was like a thriller. Like that was like, and then, it wasn't, yeah, I wouldn't really call them comic book movies. They were yeah. Like, oh, yeah. And then, so for this one, I went in expecting more of a comic book movie, but I knew it would be different. I knew it wouldn't be like a captain America. I knew it was going to be, I knew they'd somewhat like subvert my expectations a bit, um, but I did expect it to feature the guy who's like the eponymous character, like when it's called Glass. So my whole thing was um, I was disappointed after seeing it because I thought the first thirty minutes were great, and then I even liked like the first half of the movie was good, um, but especially the first thirty minutes, like the fight scene between. Bruce Willis's character and James McAvoy's was awesome. I thought it was like a cool. Uh, yeah, I, when I yeah when I was watching this yesterday, basically, uh, I had the same. I felt like in the first thirty minutes, it was kind of blowing its wad. Honestly, that it was like he was kind of like this is like what this world could be, and this is what these characters could be doing, and you kind of quickly get all kinds of stuff actually in that first thirty. Like you find out Bruce Willis's son is like working with him in the basement of the security place, sort of as an Alfred kind of character. And I like, I mean, I had issues with that right off the bat. I don't, I don't know if you want me to get into that. Well, let's let's wait a minute. We'll dive. Let's dive fully. Full, we'll dive fully into our right. critiques. But um, but what I was gonna, but like, I know just what you mean. Um, 
No, yeah, there, there was a few things in the beginning of that I wasn't expecting, but I was sort of like, okay, let me see where, where this is going. Like, just keep that to the side. And then, like, yeah, you get this big kind of showdown between McAvoy's Beast character and Bruce Willis pretty early on for this movie. And you're kind of like, wow, this feels like a comic book movie, and I'm getting a superhero versus supervillain. But then all of a sudden it shut down, and this lady with strobe lights is taking over control of these guys, and they all go to the mental ward. And so then about... Two-thirds of this movie takes place at this mental ward, right? Yes, yes. And I, I, I liked the beginning of the mental ward, but what? But I liked it at first, but then it stalled. I didn't realize. I thought it was going to be like a vehicle to the next point part, point part of the movie, and they never yeah, moved on. Yeah, I wasn't on. sure if that was like going to be a long second act or if like is this our movie. Um, but it turned out that was our movie. I was expecting the... Just, again, based off my traditional understanding of not only comic book movies, but action movies, the end of the second act should have been them busting out of there, and then the, the finale... I, like, that's the feeling, when you go into that place, you're kind of like, they should bust out of here in about 30 to 45 minutes, and we should go into a third act. <laughs> yeah, like, and then they just kept it going. And this is another thing, I this was my biggest problem with our time spent... Uh, at the asylum, and this is so weird, I almost never complain about this, but there are too many close-ups. Like, the way it's shot and, like, the cinematography, like, you – okay, you have this movie. You have James McAvoy, Bruce Willis. Um, you have Samuel L. Jackson, and I'm completely blanking. What is the actress's name who plays the doctor? She's great, too. Um, let me check that real quick. I, I agree she's pretty good in the movie. I've Sarah Paulson. Seen... Sarah, my bad. Yes. Sarah yes. Paulson, um, she, who, you have all these, my point being, you have all this great talent, and I didn't notice this the first time, but the second time I paid attention, and it's even more egregious than I realized, you don't have them share the screen, like literally sharing the screen. Like, And I don't know if it was a, like a filming thing, like they couldn't be on set oh, at the they, same time. It could be, like, I'm sure they all had tough schedules, so it wouldn't surprised me if Sam Jackson and Bruce Willis could really get to the set on the same day. But, but if that's it, like, but then, like, I'm going to say, like, almost shame on you. Like, that's a big yeah, drawing point. Right. Like, and a lot of these, I think that's what it was missing. Like, I mean, I, I agree. One of my, yeah, one of my critiques on it, because, yeah, so two thirds of this movie takes place on Mental Ward where they're supposed to be having group therapy. And I wasn't expecting it to turn into one flew over the cuckoo's nest, but I was expecting more of the therapy sessions and had the three of them sort of having conversations with the and like getting more into their psychology and doing all that kind of stuff. And you really don't, you only get maybe one or two scenes of them in group therapy. And Sam Jackson doesn't even talk in it. <laughs> no, that was the thing. You didn't even scratch. Like, and that was the thing. Yeah. We never really yeah. got the conversation between Bruce Willis' character, the overseer, and Samuel Jackson's character. Like, and that was the thing that would bother me because what I loved most was like James McAvoy, the Horde, his interactions with Bruce Willis were so interesting. Like he was so fascinated and terrified and like obsessed yeah. with him. Like I just thought it was so in like that was interesting. It was, yeah, but every character that McAvoy is playing has like a different reaction to Bruce Willis and like what he means to, to McAvoy inside. So like that, that was interesting stuff. But, yeah, it's just like, you know, he would touch on things where you're like, ooh, but then, like, he wouldn't go down that road and go down a different road. You're like, I don't know if I need to go this way. Also, and the one thing I was going to say, too, is, like, I think the thing, I think where they really missed, the, the biggest missed opportunity, in my opinion, was, one, not learning more about them. Like, to your point, like, I thought we were going to learn more about, like, we we found out he's connected to dozens of all these terrorist attacks, like, were we going to find out yeah, about others? Like, were there I others? I wanted to hear more, yeah, just more of, like, his, his like, con concocted plans and, you know, things that, that he had just, like, and it's like, he's at the end of his life, so clearly he's done a lot of stuff by now, but it's like, you just don't, they just don't tell you. And that, and that okay, and that brings me to my biggest problem with this movie, is that the, the biggest fight and the main conflict, so, like, you asked about, like, screen time before, and so when I was looking at my notes, like, one of the things I, I in my notes was that, Who's the main character? Who's the main villain? And like looking at it now, like in full context, like going back to it, the Glass is the antihero. He, it's him bringing out, like bringing knowledge to the world that superheroes exist. The villains are uh, Sarah Paulson's character, their secret society. Um, I wanted to ask you about the secret society thing. Is that is there like a direct connection to a comic book thing that I don't know about? Like, is that supposed to be like that Batman group? 
that uh, so Ghoul used to run or whatever. Like, what are they alluding to with this group of people? So, secret societies are a common, common comic book trope. This one, though, is more actually probably more akin to X Men groups, like um, Friends okay. of Humanity, Purifiers. Um, but like the X Men, they're full of these groups, and basically. The idea being that, or Genosha is a, an island, it's a whole but country. But in X-Men, it's always like, hey, we're humans and we want to get rid of these mutants because you guys are like clearly a different thing. Yes, uh, yes. But in the comic books, there's a little more. And actually, even in X-Men 2, the movie, they have this. It's like there are certain groups that are a little more uh, militant about it and organized. But there are some several like secret groups. But normally what they do is they enlist, like, they'll either brainwash or enlist mutants or other superpowered people to help them, which is what I thought they would do. So it's like you get, um, and, like, the usually the reasoning behind there, it's like either they're, like, blackmailing people or threatening them to do it or brainwashing them to do it, or they're getting people, The real, it's interesting when you get these mutants or superheroes who will willingly kill other ones, and it's either because they're, like, self-loathing and, or they're just doing it for selfish reasons and like they are going to, whatever I'm getting going down my rabbit hole. So it's a common trope, but the way they did it wasn't, this is the problem with the way they did it. It's never released in the last two pages of a comic book, like, or of a story. I also also did like, cause like at the same time he's trying to like, Shyamalan's trying to make these statements. He's like, this is the real world. Like, of course we didn't go to some crazy place and do this thing. Like, this is how a real world, like, superhero thing would play out. But then I was like, yeah, but this, like, weird group, like, is that real world? Like, that's a, like I feel like the cops would show up, take everyone to jail. Or, like, that would be the real world. Like, how did they like, get all those restaurants? Like, the restaurant thing alone, like, yeah, that's cool at first. But when you think about it, <laughs> it's the, really everyone stupid. Everyone the restaurant, everyone stops, including the bartenders. It's really stupid. Like, at first it looks cool, and that's my problem. That's my biggest problem with this movie, and, and like, it's, like, it's he settles for looking cool. And usually, like, when he's at his best, his movies are deep, and I think they can go a little deeper and bigger. But, like, yeah. this movie settles so just too much for looking cool. And the other thing that I thought was not to rewrite the movie, but I really did think was a big missed opportunity was why didn't, like, Okay, so getting back to Elijah, uh, it was, I think it's Elijah, whatever, Samuel Jackson's character. Yeah. Clearly, Bruce Willis's target was a character of his. It was, I thought we were going to find out about other people he thought might be superhuman or like other, other people he'd killed or maybe – or what I really thought was going to happen was in the third act, we were going to learn that these people kind of like activate each other. That like Bruce Willis being around, like Glass activated – Bruce Willis. Well, if Bruce talk, Willis. If you asked if, like, at the end of the movie, Sam Jackson kind of acted like he created all of them. He was like, if I didn't do that train crash, then, like, your dad would have lived, and Bruce Willis, like, he would never have been activated. So, like, I think I think Sam Jackson's character kind of saw himself doing that, and that's why that's why it was so, like, that's why it was worth him killing all those people from his point of view. Yes. Let me rephrase that. I thought we would have actually seen the activation of other characters. Like, I thought it would be oh, other see, people yeah. at the asylum. I thought it was going to be like Samuel Jackson or I thought it was going to be the Horde kind of being like what I thought was – okay, and this is my fault. Like I can't criticize it for not doing what I expected. But like just more so as a missed opportunity like – and this goes into my bigger critique, which makes sense. I thought they were going to build the world. M. Night Shyamalan almost like – this is my whole thing. At first I thought he almost fell ass backwards into the superhero franchise like – because apparently he had to split up. Apparently the James McAvoy character was originally in Unbreakable. They took him out. And then so it was like, okay, so he just had these two great movies. And bam, they're both successful. And all of a sudden he's got a superhero franchise. And right. to me it's like, oh, wow. Like he just fell ass backwards into this. Like, okay, where is he going? Like I'm excited to see how he's going to build this world out. And like that's yeah. clearly at the end it, of it, yeah. his idea was it to – really getting that far like i think he had i think he had like the unbreakable justice story and maybe he had like a backstory for the for the McAvoy character but yeah i don't think he really had a plan for getting it like off the ground beyond that no 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 and then you're 100 right and he's even said as much like he said like he has no plans to do a fourth movie the whole concept being that uh, or the, whole, the idea being he never had any intention of making it a franchise so my whole thought is almost like like, with that in mind, like, understanding that, like, he didn't want to make a franchise, like, 
it just makes me look at the both of it makes me look at split differently too because for split i'm like that movie is better if it's not part of unbreakable uh, yeah, 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 I kind of agree with that. And in that, it's like, and, and and in that case, if you want to make glass, you can still make glass. Like you could make the exact same movie, only you remove James McAvoy's character and just just put another. Like there's so many, there's so many different villains. You, you could put a different yeah, villain yeah, in there. You could fill it with a different character, kind of, and do something. But uh, um, I just, I think in terms of what happened with Split, I think when you're negotiating <laughs> with producers. And you tell them you're gonna put a surprise tie into Unbreakable at the end of the movie. I think it's a lot easier to get money. And so I think I, you're at right. The end of the day, I think it was a good business decision for him. <laughs> well, there's no doubt. Well, that was the other thing too. Like I was like being critical of Glass, and I looked at it, and it's like one of his most successful movies. It's made like 12x its budget. Like it's I like everything I criticize him for. Like I saw the movie twice. And like the, yeah, and so that's the like wrapping up this Shaman conversation. This guy, he, he was one of the hottest directors in Hollywood. He had a total fall from grace, but he has kind of built himself back up into being a profitable director again. But that's the thing. He, he, Honestly, he, it's kind of crazy. But then, like, I would say it's like, to use a sports analogy, he started off like he, his, he was a Cy Young candidate his first three years. Yeah. Then yeah. he had like a fall from grace, including like a DUI, like uh, like a sex. Yeah, a sex. A, like bad performance, demoted to AAA once, probably traded twice, and yeah. now it's like, and now he's like, he's winning you 15, 16 games, but he's throwing like an eighty-eight mile per hour fastball, right. and like everyone's being quiet about the PEDs he's on or whatever. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's like forty. He's not like he's like Justin Verlander. He gets older and still throwing ninety-seven. He's the only guy. So that thing. Wait, let me just see if Shaman is anything upcoming right now. Wait, give me yeah, or... give me give me one second. Okay. <laughs> he's a fun guy to talk about, honestly. He's he he's he's hit almost every like rung on my movie emotion spectrum. Like like in terms of like hating it. Like I'm I'm not kidding. Last Airbender is truly. It's really. No, it's one it's of like, my like worst for three. Like a, yeah, it's like a, it's. When when a director has the ability to make you angry with the movie because you know they're good and then they give you the village or whatever and you're just like when he makes you that angry it's an interesting like effect because like most times it's like whatever I go see some shitty Michael Bay movie it's like I don't care about Michael Bay like I don't, I don't get angry about it <laughs> yeah that's true well Michael Bay Michael Bay has only ever like scratched the shallowest of itches for me like is like is it like I think of Bad Boys I love Bad Boys Bad Boys is one of my favorite movies. But like, I think well, uh, he did The Rock, right? I think I enjoyed oh, The Rock. I, I love The Rock movie. too. Th- those movies yeah. are great. Like, those both of those movies are incredible movies, but they're not like they're not really going for the heartstrings there. Like, there's like no, not that yeah. not that you don't care, like you care about the characters, but there's not a lot of romance there. There's not like it, he's not going for the full like emotional no. spectrum. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then he got involved with Transformers. He made a ton of money. Like I, you know, he does his thing. He's like, a, he's a, you know, this is good because we're going into Terminator. He's a, he's one of the James Cameron descendants. He's done Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles too. All the <laughs> movies you love. By the way, we're gonna do a whole Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. How to fix that franchise too? Uh, I got two words for you, Corey Feldman. <laughs> Go back to the original voice of Donatello, please. I was gonna say practical <laughs> suits. Michelangelo. I always mix this Donatello. Up. I was gonna say do was the practical done, yeah. suits. Get rid of the CGI. Was yeah, yeah. I like the yeah, those old suits were cool. I rewatched those movies. The second one's not as good, but the like the first one, the action holds up. I don't know who they got oh, to fight in those that things. Actor I really like uh, Casey Jones. That guy is a great actor. He's been in a bunch of movies. Elias like, Codius. Really That's not how you pronounce his name, but it's like Elias Codius or something. Yeah, it's a weird name. He was. He's like in the Thin Red Line. He's in some great movies. He's in also every TV cop drama. He's like he's in everything. Like yeah, yeah. He's one of the yeah. He's been in a ton of TV. Yeah. He's, he's, but he's, he's a really good actor. He's a great actor. He's Casey Jones. <laughs> <laughs> that should be his bumper. Bumper. He's Casey Jones. It's like of all the roles he's played, it's funny that like the only name I could remember is Casey Jones. Hey, that's a resume. That's a resume topper. <laughs> 
That's Casey Jones. Um, all right, wait, 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 wait. Are we gonna get into Terminator? Wait, just to just to finish off the glass thing. Okay. Um, I think we both agreed. Just like the problems with glass were that, like there, my big like the biggest problems I had with glass were also how it fits in the overall spectrum of the movies. Like to me, it felt like and like to. I thought he was going to, like, explore these whole... I thought he was, like, opening a door and he was really just closing a window, like... I agree. That was the end. But, uh, yeah, so my my biggest problem... And it's not, like, I don't... Honestly, I don't hate class. It was an easy movie to watch. And I get why he made it. They made a bunch of money on it. I'm happy he made a bunch of money. My biggest problem with it... The, what's so cool about Unbreakable, and, so, and most of Split, but more more so Unbreakable, is just how how grounded that movie feels and how it feels like a real movie with extraordinary people who are sort of finding out extraordinary things about themselves. And it really doesn't feel like a comic book movie. And I think that glass is like, it's kind of lost that feel where I wish he had brought the the same atmosphere unbreakable into it because I felt like that was a much better, you know, with glass, it's like you're, you get that fight 30 minutes into the movie. And so it's like, you're already kind of having this comic book scene happen. And it just didn't. It, it's not as realistic of a of a portrayal. Of and I wish he would have stayed. Yeah, just like kind of more like a guy just looking to solve mysteries. Like, I don't know, but like they kind of go too supernatural for me too quickly. I guess I know just what you mean, especially with glass. Like, was, things about glass where it starts off and it really it's even shot like a comic book. Like it's it feels like it's a little more supernatural. It's a little more fantasy. And then I think of like the the scenes where you get the like secret society. A lot of the scenes are shot from this like third party view, like uh, aerial view. Cameras like security cameras. A lot of them. Exactly, which kind of gives you this like it gives you a different feeling. Like this voyeur. It's kind of gives. And, and I kept thinking you also have the unreliable narrator. It's like the question of like, do you really have powers? There's a very much like it's almost like a fever dream to glass. It's yeah. like that's different. And it's like, I really like the way Unbreakable is shot. There's a lot of shots in that movie that don't look like comic book shots, but then they sort of turn into these iconic comic book shots, and it's really cool the way he does a lot of them, and it's like, that's all kind of lost. I I agree. And looking in hindsight, I think my biggest problem, like, I have a lot, but to boil them down, the thing that bothers me most about this movie, and really the franchise in general, is... The conflict, the main conflict, is really Samuel L. Jackson's character, Mister Glass, against the secret society. We're never given enough, but like we don't see that. Like this movie is about that conflict, and the surprise is that that's it. But like, as someone who wants to know about the story, and like I don't know, we don't know anything about the society. Like, were they did they yeah. kill Hercules? Like I was like my mind was going yeah, crazy. That's like all very tacked on to me. Like and did they kill King again, Arthur? Like, that takes you away from reality. And like I just thought it would have been such a cool like it could have been such a cool thing like even like a few minutes a few minutes of dialogue like they, if they named like fantastic characters that they'd killed or stopped right like, or if there was like some sort of recurring character that showed up in Sam Jackson's life who was sort of keeping an eye on him and like being like maybe this is a superhero or a supervillain or something and like I feel like that you know I don't know there's also, a lot of things you could do also how did Samuel L. Jackson find them like the movie should have been about that like that should have like we should the movie should have like. 30 minutes in, we should have gotten to see Samuel L. Jackson. Like, that would have been cooler to find out that the whole time it was him, like, trying to fight these people or to, like, that was why he was, maybe that's why he was doing these terrorist acts so that there would be someone public to survive, that it would be undeniable. Like, again, not to rewrite it, but, like, my mind, my biggest problem with this movie were, like, and again, not to blame them for my own expectations, but, like, just from a storytelling, storytelling standpoint, there are a lot of missed opportunities, yeah. and like oh yeah, that, another critique I didn't get to the son character. I was expecting that kid to maybe like have, like develop a like maybe a different kind of power or something like that. But basically, he turns into a thirty year old version of his six year old self who's just like in love with his dad or something. It was like they really did not develop that. Uh, I, I thought you could have done more with the kid. I thought like. I thought it'd be cool to have him again, not to rewrite it, but like, why isn't he more of a vigilante? Like, or at least why can't he fight one fat cop from holding him back to defend his dad? Like just, he's, yeah, he's just kind of playing the radio, uh, research guy. Well, they call him the the Spider-Man movies, the the guy in the chair. He's supposed to be the guy in the chair, but it's like, it was, I was a little disappointed. Like I thought he might've been a little more than that, but 
Also, I, I don't know what Robin Wright's situation was. I would have thought I, it would have been interesting to maybe have Robin Wright. Uh, I don't know if she's just like I don't know. like. I always think it's interesting that she's actually in Unbreakable because if you follow Robin Wright's career, I mean, this is the person who was in Princess Bride. She was she was Jenny Gump and Forrest Gump. Uh, she so uh, I think Unbreakable was right after she divorced Sean Penn. Um, and so she had been out of movies for a long time. She's a, she's an actress that I feel like could have been you know an A plus plus list actress at any point of her career, but has kind of been in and out of the scene. And most recently, she's been, she's uh, in the House of Cards show, but uh, she's actually she's really good in a like I think she, I miss her because like I think she's good in a breakable as well. I'm just going to argue that you think she's not already a plus plus. Uh, oh, wow. I, don't, I, don't, I don't think she works enough. Honestly. No, no, I'm kidding. I, I know just what you mean. Um, she like, <laughs> uh, I, like she just has gaps. Like there's a huge gap between Princess Bride Force Gump, and then there's a huge gap between that and Unbreakable. I don't know. Well, no, no, I, I'm I'm just busting your chops. I know exactly what you mean because I just like she's not. She's not Julia Roberts just because she doesn't have the yeah. resume. Like Julia, like Julia Roberts can overwhelm her with just sheer volume. And like I look at her, her best stuff. You know, I'll say that that's a whole other that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> but I, I just yeah, I mean Robin Wright's a good actress, and she's good. You know, it's like I, I, I never think, not like Robin Wright in a movie. I think this movie would have benefited from her. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I again, not to rewrite it. I think this was a missed opportunity. I think looking at everything in hindsight. The only reason for me to connect Glass and I know they were initially conceived together, but to connect the two of them, the whole idea for me is to build a universe out of it. He didn't build a universe. He made he just made another movie, which apparently it's like one of his most profitable ever. So he knows what he's doing. Uh, well, he killed all three characters, I guess. But that's like, like that's what I mean. Like, like the girl who I don't even really know what her power is, and then the son who's just kind of a nerdy guy. So that's like that's where I'm going with that. Like if you if you're just gonna do if it wasn't gonna build a whole universe and you was just gonna do another movie or two, leave Unbreakable and Split unconnected. Make Glass the middle movie and like I don't know it would it, it would have been cool. I don't know. I'm actually. Well, it, felt, it feels like to me that he's trying to set something up for like a different director and he'll produce it and they can make movies in this world. But it's like I feel like he's kind of like these are my three and I'm out and I'm going on other stuff. I would be surprised if he went back to this world. I guess I don't want him to. Like, I, like it's I, like, I don't it, want him to either. I would. Uh, I don't know what I really want M Night Shyamalan to do next. He's got a so he's got one credit listed. It's just been announced called Labor of Love. I don't know. I want him to do a sequel to She's All That. Embarks on a cross country trip on foot to prove his love for his late wife. I hope. I hope it's a backdoor. Nobody's se- casted yet. Nobody's casted. Yet. I hope that's a, a backdoor sequel to She's All That. <laughs> he was the, I think he was the ghostwriter on that. He was the ghostwriter on that, I think. Is that right? Oh wow. Or that or maybe I'm pretty sure it was that. Maybe him or Jazz. I know he was involved with that really shitty Rosie O'Donnell movie from like the early nineties. Yeah, I'm sure you already know this, but this I was go apparently he and Joss White Whedon are responsible for like half of the nineties teenage like movies we all watched. They I were mean, like I they were always either script doctors or like silent yeah. like silent writers. Um, all right, I think I think that was good on Shyamalan. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna more on Shyamalan. God help him. Yeah, yeah, we we can't help you. Um, uh, oh wait, okay, I do have a few questions for you though. Oh, I forgot you had like questions on class for me. We actually answered all of them, but um, this is just one. Okay. I'm gonna ask you for it. What is your favorite comic book movie universe? My favorite comic book movie universe. Do you, do you want me to list out some options? I got a couple. Yeah, you can list some. I got a couple. I'm kind of thinking of. But what? Do, what do you think? You have the Marvel movies. You have the X Men movies. You have um, you have the original Christopher Reeve Superman you movies. The Tim Burton Batman movies. The Joel Schumachers. Um, I'm <laughs> gonna split those up. But uh, or or. or Chris right. Nolan Batman, that's up there. The new, the new Zack Schneider Batman's. I see. Um, <laughs> uh, for, for comedy, for like, if I really wanted to make a joke, I would try. I would really argue really hard for Dick Tracy. Oh no, that that would work. That's that counts. I don't know if that's actually my favorite, but I do think the Dick Tracy world is like a funny world, and I think that movie. 
because that's still Warren Beatty at the peak of his powers. You get Pacino playing Mumble. Like, there's a ton of actors in that movie that are just kind of like playing crazy characters. That is a movie where, as a kid, and after rewatching it, I still feel this way. That's a movie where the the side characters were more interesting than the main yeah. characters. Like, I think it was well, like uh, yeah. Hammerhead. Uh, also, uh, old and Madonna are in a relationship, and the center of that movie is like Dick Tracy and Madonna. Like, uh, you know, there's just the whole Beatty. Showing everyone that he's fucking Madonna. In I, that movie. I didn't realize it at the time, but like now, something wasn't popping for me that in that movie, and I realized, yeah, it was this old white guy just being like, "I'm having sex with this hot chick." Like, I, mean, I actually think Madonna's like okay in the movie. Yeah, she's but, great. But like, baby, yeah, I don't, I don't think Baby's that good in it. Um, no. I do. Yeah, you're right. The, the side characters are all, all the side characters are good. All the side gangsters are awesome. Yeah. And it's funny they never did it. Like, it, it was a big enough movie. You would have thought there would have been a sequel. But Dustin uh, Hoffman is in it as Mumbles. What's that? Dustin Hoffman is in it as, like, he gives oh, the I best. I Pacino was Mumbles. Is, is Hoffman Mumbles? I thought, no, I thought Pacino I Pacino's was the, in it. Pacino's the main bad guy. Yeah. He's I mean, the only, he's, like big, yeah. he's the only one who's not interesting. He's got that really ugly guy. Okay. We're going down. We'll say, we're going to have to do a Dick Tracy one now. <laughs> We'll save Dick Tracy for later. Uh, like, like, uh, um, comic book world. Like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But give, give the comic book world answer. Um, so I was, th- I was actually, I was thinking about this recently, and it, it occurred to me just how important. Like, I don't, I was, I was thinking about Unbreakable and how, like, sort of key that of a movie that was. But then I do think that the Tim Burton, the Batman and Batman Returns. I think people have just sort of forgotten how big those movies were and how different they were than any, every other representation of comic books. Like, in, like I don't think people really give Tim Burton enough credit now in terms of being like, I'm going to take this goofy man in tights thing and make it this real thing. And even, even like Batman now is a dated movie. And it's, you know, it's honestly like, I'd rather watch, uh, dark Knight, you know, from the Nolan thing than Batman right now. But I just think, Batman, like, that movie really did change things. And what comics became, like, they all know everything Tim Burton. Because there was, like, there's no there's no movie before that that, like, you can even say is in the same ballpark, really. No. Uh, but, like, you can still include that Tim Burton Batman movie in the current comic book conversation because, like, that was really the first one, I think. I, okay. I think, I'm not, I'm, that's not my favorite, but I think that's a great answer because the first Bat, the first Tim Burton Batman is amazing. Like, I think it, it holds up. And I think it doesn't get enough credit for it. That was the first time we saw Martha and Thomas Wayne die. And, like, that was iconic. Like, it's like... Well, and he has the Joker kill him, which was controversial. Which was controversial. And the other thing which I, I... I didn't realize until recently was that the Keaton casting was very controversial because he's short. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, so there that's... a lot of people up for that role. And so that's the reason why I'm always, uh, I try to be now. So was the Jack Nicholson people. Uh, Nicholson made some crazy amount of money for that movie, and people did not think he was worth it. No, well, uh, I also heard he had to turn down Robin Williams, like an amazing Robin Williams, apparently. It was like, oh, Robin Williams tried to be in almost every Batman movie. And I, I heard, heard that story too. And I heard he had to turn him down. I heard the like the people he had to turn down to hire Jack Nicholson. He should get like some type of Academy Award. And, uh, uh, I've gone back and forth on that Nicholson performance. It's not like it's not one of Jack's best ones. It kind of works in that movie. Um, it's a t- at the, uh, so at the time that was that perform- Nicholson's performance was a much bigger deal than like anyone who watches that movie now. It's almost like you're not going to take him that seriously. It's but kind of a gun. Is like would you say is this accurate? It's almost like a Gonzo performance. It's like a little like I don't know if Gonzo is the right word, but it's like almost like a little, it's again like it's not that it's a different movie. I but like the character, especially after the Vat, it's like he is so like it's a, it's a very manic performance. Yeah, yeah. It's a very it's much different than the Ledger and Joaquin Phoenix takes. Yeah. It's, a, it's but it's also it's not the old goofy comic book thing. It's still Jack is kind of trying to do his own take on it. Uh, the other thing that's going on with him playing the Joker is it's not that far removed from the shining. And so he's played Jack Torrance in the shining. And there's a, there's a piece of that that he's playing off of with the Joker. And so, and it's like for anyone at the time, Jack Nicholson, easily one of the five biggest actors at the time. And so for him to take that role was a huge thing. He's also a guy that didn't do interviews and stuff. So it was like, you wouldn't hear, you know, you wouldn't hear from Jack Nicholson what he was doing next. 
to all of a sudden just realize he's in this Tim Burton Batman movie was a huge thing. Also, Prince is doing the music. I mean, it's it's hard to overstate how big that movie. Kim Basinger, like Kim Basinger was big. Like they had yeah. a they had a great cast. Um, yeah. So also, that, yeah, Batman Returns. Lost and uh, it is a dated movie, but it's just like there's no movie before that where you can be like someone was trying to make a serious adult comic book movie. And, ba- and Batman Returns, I think, is very underrated. I think it was a mistake I, I, at the time. I, I, my brother had a take on that recently, actually, and I agree with him. The, I like all the actors and a lot of the performances, including DeVito's crazy penguin performance. I enjoy it. I like walking as the mayor, but it's kind of a slow, draggy movie. It's a horror. It's spots. like a gothic yeah. horror film. Like Once you appreciate yeah. it as a gothic horror film, it's like... Uh, that, I'm sure that's not the exact classification, but like it's going for more like a horror vibe, and it's long and yeah, it's like operatic. Thirds, it's like it is this gothic horror, yeah, in the vein of a Dracula. And then there's like, and the but there are some awesome fight scenes, like when he takes out the clowns and like the whole circus. Like I think that there's is like, that, uh, I, return. I, there's a good argument. Returns better than Batman, but um, yeah, I, just for the really, yeah, what we talk, like Batman was a huge movie. Tim Burton, Keaton, Nicholson, Prince. It's just like, there's just so much culturally going on with that movie. Fair. For me, it's got to be MCU. It's got to be MCU. Wow. I, I'll just wow. leave it at that. But um, we, we can dive into that later. 